Brett Keen hosts a live international radio station on Spotify, Amazon, and many other services across the internet. His topics and subjects primarily cover God, religion, theology, philosophy, news, science, politics, games, entertainment, music, television, and movies. Brett Keen also writes books. His newest novel is called After Life Simulation. If you're interested in his merchandise, check out the links in the description. The more of you that I inspect, the more of you I see reflect, the more I try to reach your lips, the more the mask you wear it rips, but when I seek out your voice, my ears overcome with noise. Show and tell with greatest ease Repeat impossibilities Engaged in crime, my grasp, my throat Erased my mind, starts to smoke Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brett Keen And you are watching and listening to The Brett Keen Show I thought I would share a story about Christianity in my past, my childhood, and what Christianity means to me, and why I feel like there's a lot of problems and a lot of issues. Before I get into this, I want to let you know that there are a handful of people out there, literally a handful of people, at least on social media, that I consider actual Christians who are living up to the ways of Jesus but only a handful out of millions. Frank Turek recently asked the question, he said, um, from your observation, why are millennials abandoning Christianity? And I wrote, because Christianity fails like every other group. Fake people who wear a label but don't live up to it. Luckily, I put my faith in God and trust. Christianity has not been good to me at all. As many of you know, I used to be a former atheist. I was an atheist for many years of my life, from my teenage years all the way up into uh, my adult life. Um, I ended up doing a lot of praying to God, a lot of asking um, God to be able to help out some people that I love, people that were sick. And... Uh, something miraculous happened for my daughter, as well as some other events in my life, where if God had not intervened, I would not be here right now talking to you or having a conversation. But I can assure you that Christianity itself and Christians themselves were of no help in keeping the faith or keeping strong in this. It was all on God. Um, I'll tell you a couple good stories about Christians, but I'm also going to tell you some pretty damn negative stories. And I believe that the handful of Christians out there who do respect me and, and love me and all that kind of stuff, they'll probably be able to relate and identify with a lot of the stories that I'm telling you. And the reason why I'm telling these stories is I'm explaining to you why some non-believers, even if they are sincerely honest and they're looking and they're searching, they're not going to find what they're looking for through Christianity, period. They're not. In fact, I'm actually concerned that if some atheists find themselves in the same position as myself, um, 
they may get wrecked even worse if they put themselves in the position that I put myself into, where I ended up labeling myself Christian and so on. You will notice if you watch my videos too, um, my closest friends notice this. I defend um, God's word and I defend God, but I do not normally defend Christianity and its actions. I feel like Christianity has become a separate entity from the Christians that are mentioned in the Bible. I believe that at one point in time, Christians used to be about Jesus Christ and about God, and nowadays I don't. And believe it or not, that's actually prophecy. If you read the Bible and you read the book of Revelation, you'll see that it says that the heart will grow cold. A lot of religious people will turn away, they will abandon, they will betray God, and a lot of them will find themselves in a time period. Some will call it a tribulation, some will call it pre-rapture, after-rapture, whatever uh, words they give it, where they think that some people will be left behind, others will be raptured away just in time before things get really horrible. <clears throat> Being that there's so many different denominations of Christianity, um, whether Christians want to say that this is a Christian denomination or not, or they're fakes. There's Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, there's Catholics, and then there's like 30,000 different versions of Christianity. A person who's on the outside of this could get very confused. If you were to talk to someone who believes in free will and then turn around and talk to a different Christian who's a Calvinist, and I have found myself in many live debates and discussions where Christians are arguing with each other over and over about how God views things or how God perceives things. And it's so fascinating because I know that all these Christians from these different denominations, they're in the same boat as I am. They don't know any more about God's behavior or how God is going to do something, except for their interpretation of how God may do things in the Bible. But you know, there's been times even in the Bible where God did things that people did not expect because they felt like God was predictable. They felt like um, they had known so much about God in the past that God would act the same way in the future. That's not necessarily true, ladies and gentlemen. When Jesus came along claiming to be God, claiming to be the Son of God and all this, a lot of people, especially those who were on the side of Jesus Christ, those who followed him, they expected him to be a revolutionary warrior. They expected him to amass a huge amount of followers and then take out the Roman government, take out all kinds of different bad systems, correct a lot of the broken evil that was going on with the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They expected a God that was going to come in and be like Donald Trump or something, where he was just going to lay the hammer down and do things. When Jesus started talking about love and turn the other cheek and you know, let people slap you, you know, about the cheek, all this kind of stuff. They didn't expect that. These were people who were diseased. They were sick. They were unhealthy. They were unhappy. They were being taxed up the ass. Um, they were barely surviving, and they were dealing with 
a bad religion back then as well as a corrupt government kind of like what we do nowadays and they really expected jesus to be more than what he was talking about a lot of his teachings and his lessons were beautiful and it's a thing that you could live by but people wanted more they wanted actual physical action they wanted destruction to come to rome they wanted to be able to push out all the pagans out of jerusalem and all that and they wanted god to basically take over and bring his kingdom down to earth and uh, rule over evil and good. But that wasn't what Jesus's plan was, at least not at that point in time. A lot of people felt disappointed, and a lot of people, including those who followed Jesus, were skeptical even whenever he was crucified. They didn't understand for the life of them why it was that this man who claimed to be God or the Son of God, who had all these great powers, why was he being crucified? Why was he being killed for? Why wasn't he blasting them with fireballs or bringing lightning and hell from the sky and wrath and destruction like on Sodom and Gomorrah? Why wasn't he drowning the earth? Why wasn't he doing something about all the corruption and evil? Instead, he was allowing himself to be whipped and beaten and then crucified. Is it no wonder the disciples questioned what was going on? They, they were confused. They didn't understand what was up. Why is this happening for? Why is God allowing the human race to dissect him, butcher him, torture him? They didn't know. The Bible has a lot of very interesting teachings and a lot of different philosophy. God, Jesus Christ, tends to react differently in some scenarios that God acted differently in the Old Testament. And it's one of the reasons why some people say, how can Jesus be God? How can this be the case? Yada, yada, yada. In the end, all of us figure out that it's a plan. It's a part of some kind of reason. God's trying to make a statement or he's trying to give us a message. He's trying to tell us something. And some of us, we just simply don't interpret it. We don't understand it. We're like the disciples who follow him with full faith and trust. We just don't know exactly what this plan surmounts to. And we don't know also... One of the other problems is you have all these Christians out here who all believe they're going to get to heaven, yet Jesus Christ says the way is narrow. There's going to be a lot of people who label themselves this and claim this and that, and then they're not they're basically going to be screwed. So it's not like you can just go to church, sit down and pray a couple of times, and then all of a sudden it gets fixed. Then you got a bunch of Christians who are saying, ah, you don't have to do anything. All you have to do is believe and you're fine. As long as uh, some guy that you don't even know what he's doing in his life, some big time sinner who just claims to be a preacher says that you're saved. And because he ducked you in water, you are supposedly going to heaven just by having some words chanted over you and then having this uh, little ritual that took about five minutes supposedly this cleans off all the evil that you've ever done or wrongs or things that you ever thought about and there's that 
So it's not surprising, really, is it, that there's a bunch of people who are skeptical of this, who don't believe that mere rituals are going to solve the world's problems, nor answer the question of origin and our existence and why suffering and evil even exist in the first place. It was one of the reasons why I was a non-believer. It just seemed like some of it was just nonsense or greasy grace or just ways for people to um, be able to keep your ass in the seat so they could have yet another person that they could collect money from with their plate. So, I remember whenever I was a child, my mother attended many, many different churches See, my mother wasn't content with some of the churches. Some of the churches interpreted the Bible differently than herself, and she didn't feel like she was getting what she wanted out of it. So she would go to different churches and try them out and all that. But she wasn't just going to church so she could hear about God or try to find the right religion or the right version of it or the right brand. She was a woman who was taking care of three children all by herself. So she was also looking for a place where she could get support and she could find friendship and people to help her. She was also looking for physical needs like food and help with bills. Because when you're a single mother and you're struggling and you can't afford babysitters or you can't afford proper schooling or proper anything, and you can't put food into the stomachs of your children, a woman will go out of her way, including a man, uh, if they truly love their kids and they're trying to survive, they're going to do whatever it takes. Unfortunately, my mother found herself in many occasions very disappointed. I remember she took me to this one church that she thought was going to be really good. And she sat me right in the front row. And I was just about, I'd say, 12 years old. This would be about a year before my grandmother died in front of me from cancer. And this preacher started going on this big-ass rant about how he used to be a sinner, how he used to have sex with lots of women and do lots of drugs and all that and drink all the time and gamble. And he just basically named off a list of all the terrible things he did before he found Jesus. And then he walked up to me and decided to target me out of all the people that were sitting there. And he goes, Sonny boy, I used to be just like you. See, whenever I was young, I looked older. If you look at me on video, you would probably think this guy's like, you know, 50-something years old or 60. A lot of people make that mistake because I have gray hair. I have premature gray hair. Well, whenever I was a kid, I actually had gray hair as well. Um, I was, uh, my friends used to call me Moses because I had the big bushy, white, wiry hair. You know, like what you see on the Ten Commandments cover of uh, films and all that. So the preacher, to get back to the story, he pointed his finger at me and he said, Young man, I used to be just like you. I used to do this and do that and do that. And basically what he did was he was saying that I was a bad person and that he used to be like me. But I hadn't done anything that he had ever done. I was only like 11, 12 years old. I had never took a sip of alcohol before. I had never done drugs. In fact, I was completely against drugs. I used to go to a classroom at school where they taught kids a war on drugs. That's what was happening during my time whenever I was a kid. There's a big war on drugs. 
<laughs> and I uh, was actually trying to do well in school. I was trying to be good to people and all that, even though I wasn't sure what my place was with God. But now I've got this person who doesn't know anything about me, who is making an example out of me in front of all the other uh, Christians out there just made the decision that I would become part of their rant and that they would bounce off me like I was a podium and uh, spill out all this stuff and accuse me of being a bad, shitty person like they used to be before they found God. The sad thing was, is even though my mother was attending all these churches, I was already sold on the idea that there was a God back then. Um, you didn't have to save me. You didn't have to dunk me. You didn't have to do any of these things. I already believed that there was a creator of the universe. I already believed in God. And I was already attempting to be the best person I could be. In fact, I helped my mother take care of my brother and sister because she didn't have anybody else. I'm a little kid who's trying to take upon the father role. I'm trying to be... Uh, an adult whenever I'm basically losing my childhood and now I'm being told that I'm a fucking piece of trash by a person I don't even know who's supposed to be an authority figure in religion. So things like that really turned me off. I got to realize and at a very young age that a lot of Christians like to hear themselves talk, but they don't like to listen. They don't like to ask questions. The preacher could have asked me, what do you do in school? You know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Instead of predetermine or assume that I'm an awful fucking horrible person that deserves to burn in hell. He could have actually had a conversation with me. He could have kept me out of his little fucking rant and talked to me later and uh, said, welcome to our church. You know, it's nice to meet you. What's your name? All that kind of shit. He didn't even know what my fucking name was. And he decided to, you know, pound me with that bullshit. I had a lot of incidences like that, ladies and gentlemen. I remember my mother attended a Pentecostal church, and there were people who were yapping in what they call tongue you know, the other kind of stuff. They call it the angelic language. I seen people flopping up and down on the ground. I seen a woman who was obese um, wearing no fucking underwear in church. And she went into one of her, like she was possessed or something in church. And she ended up pissing all over the aisle where people walk. Because she was frantic and doing the whole voices and blah, blah, blah shit. Uh, some people, if you would have seen her on video and not known the context of what was happening, you probably would have thought she was demonically possessed. But she was claiming that she was being filled with the Spirit of God, and she flipped the fuck out and just was bringing full attention to herself. And what was even creepier about it is it was clear that she was mentally ill and unstable. But the way the people wrapped around her in a crowd and said, oh, praise Jesus, praise God, praise, you know, when it was clear as day that she was just um, making a spectacle of herself for attention. And I got to know the lady later on and shit, and um, it was clear that she wasn't well, that she had all kinds of serious problems. 
And it seemed like every fucking week that we went to that church, that woman would have her little moment where the spirit would get in there and then everybody get excited like they're at a fucking rock concert. And that, to be honest with you, was embarrassing. It was, it was fucking terrifying knowing that at a certain time during the sermon, the woman was going to just go into one of her fucking behavior misfit problems. So, yeah. I've been to churches where they brought in snakes. I've been in churches where they hit you upside the head or swing their coats at you trying to heal the the sinful cancer that's inside of you. I've I've experienced so much fucking bullshit. And then finally when I got old enough to where I could tell my mother, "No, I'm not going to these fucking things anymore." I'm not. See, my mother, she was desperate. She was looking for healing. She was looking for something to help her with her severe depression, and she was also physically sick. She got to the point where she couldn't even work anymore. She got to the point where she wasn't able to mother her children anymore. It was all left on me, and then finally, whenever it got too overwhelming for myself, the government stepped in, took my brother and sister and myself, separated us, and put us... Uh, through a multitude of foster care, where then I ended up even seeing more churches and more denominations. So by the time I was a teenager, I was fucking absolutely disgusted with the whole Christian religion scene. I had seen so many fakes. I had seen so much bullshit. At the time, whenever I was a kid, I wasn't smoking cigarettes. I actually was against smoking cigarettes, but I remember going to a Catholic church and the priest was actually smoking a cigarette and drinking a wine outside. And I asked him what the fuck he was doing. And he said, well, Jesus turned water into wine and therefore it's okay for him to drink fucking alcohol right before going into one of his little mass spills or whatever. So I ended up becoming an atheist for many years and yada, yada, yada. And I, my faith went back into God but it never really went back into Christianity at all. I never really, I seen that a lot of, I tried going into churches. My wife tried first. And I remember when she went and I was still on the fence of, should I be a skeptic? Should I be, should I be open to the idea there's a God? My wife was starting to get spiritual again and she went to a church. And when they found out that she was married to Brett Keene, because I live in a small town, everybody knew what I was about. They knew I had made YouTube videos. They actually tried to convince her to leave me, that she was unevenly yoked is what they called it. They said that she should be with a good Christian man. Who gives a fuck that she's got a baby with me, that we have a son? They were literally trying to break up our marriage and thought that it would be better if she was married to someone who was labeled Christian. So again... I probably would have been a believer in God even sooner had the church not tried to personally damage my fucking marriage. I feel like the church causes a lot more problems than it does good. I believe that when people are looking for answers and they're looking for the truth, Unfortunately, Christianity is like solid bar theology. It's like a buffet. 
you have no idea what you're about to step into when you step into a church. A lot of these atheists and non-believers, they don't know what it is they're getting themselves into. All they know is that they might be open to the idea of God. <clears throat> so they see a local church, they step into it, and they don't know if there's going to be fucking snakes in there. They don't know if they're going to be seeing people jumping up and down like fucking dumb zoo animals. They have no idea if they're going to get screamed at, yelled at, or told that they're a fucking bad person who deserves to burn in hell. And that's why I feel sorry for some non-believers, because I do know that a majority of atheists are assholes, and they're arrogant, and they're pompous, and they're into blasphemy and mockery. It's like a fucking hobby for them. Some of them even profit off of it. But there are... Sometimes there's one or two or even five of them that may say, you know what, this naturalism shit, this idea that the universe came from nothing, this isn't working for me. I want to see if there's more to it. So then they'll go to a church because they figure, you know, some people get this idea that when they pray, sometimes it seems as though God doesn't respond to them right away. Some people think that if God doesn't speak to you in an audible voice and he's not listening, sometimes God doesn't say a word, but he changes something in your path or helps you in some kind of way through action as opposed to words. Well, some non-believers don't get that. They don't understand that. They figure they got to be around a lot of people who have the hocus-pocus magic in order to be able to see results. They get around the hocus-pocus people, and the hocus-pocus people turn out to be hypocrites and liars and thieves and uh, boasting sinners and shit, and then everything goes down the fucking tube. Since I ended up going along with the label of Christian, which for the longest time I fought hard to just call myself a God-believer and a theist, I um been around Christians and um I've been at a very there's been many times in my life where I find myself on a fork in the road or I find myself in darkness and I rely and I depend on God but if I reach out to Christians they will give me some kind of justification or excuse why they won't support me or why they won't help me I mean ladies and gentlemen here I am, a popular former atheist who uh, became a fairly popular uh, theist, religious person, and I had Christians who claimed to be my friend in private, and then they would uh, not want to have me on their broadcast or their shows simply because they didn't like the way I looked or because the way I talked. They didn't like the fact that I admittedly cuss. They thought I was too colorful. Some of them, they thought I was too harsh on non-believers. And what's funny about that is whenever these religious people began becoming more popular themselves and they were destroyed by atheists or atheists attempted to embarrass them or make them look like a fool on the internet, guess who they went to in order to get help? Me. You know, oh, Brett, you were right. You, you were right. 
you know, Brad, I'm about to debate a whole bunch of these people, and you know how to deal with them because you were a former atheist. Why don't you come in and help me out? Why don't you come, you know, be a part of the debate or the discussion? They didn't want to be my friend. They just wanted uh, someone to protect them whenever the fucking dragons came out and the snakes were let loose. None of these people called me up and asked me how I was doing, how you feeling, how's your health issues, you know, do you need anything? Christmas is coming up, your birthday's coming up, would you like something? Nothing like that. Only whenever they needed me. Only whenever um, they knew that they were taking on somebody that they thought was scary or uncomfortable in a debate or a discussion. You know what that feels like? When people don't want to be your friend and they don't consider you a part of their family, but they'll call you up and contact you whenever they need you to do something for them, but they won't do dick for you. I got a friend named TTOR out there where he'll email me from time to time and he'll say, Brett, how you doing, man? I hope you're feeling well. I hope the family's good. And it's things like that that really brighten my day. That's what you would expect a brother in Christ to do. When you have a, a woman contact you and say, I hope everything's going good and everything. I've been praying for you and God loves you and I love you and all that. This is beautiful. And it really makes my day. It really helps me, especially if I'm depressed and I'm feeling like my back's up against the wall. But usually... If I get contacted by a religious person, I am not asked how I feel. I'm not asked if I'm doing okay. My family is not asked about. My children's well-being is not asked about. Instead, it's, I got a debate on Friday. You know, I got this thing where I'm going to have like five atheists. Will you come in and do this shit like this? And I used to do it over and over and over. For the last two years, though, I kind of slowed it down. I just stopped. I just told these people, nah, fuck you. Now that's all you want me for is this, to be a person in your room to bring you views. You just want someone to help you um, basically slam, bam, thank you, ma'am, to the demons that you've allowed to come into your room to mock and blaspheme God. That's what you've done. A majority of the people who were subscribed to me on YouTube were fellow atheists, people who used to watch me whenever I was religious, and they followed me around. A majority of them were probably wondering two things. There's a group of atheists who want me to return to atheism, and then there's a group of atheists who fucking hate me because I'm religious and would like to see me basically drown in a mud puddle. And that's what I've had to deal with. I lost a lot of supposed friends just by simply claiming to believe in God. But that was kind of expected, though, because the Bible does say they hated me, they will hate you, and yada, 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 don't love this world. This world is filled with greedy, materialistic, determined, ambitious people who would sell their mother into hookery uh, if it meant that it would bring them some form of fame or notoriety. Christians aren't like they used to. 
When I was very young, there were those good moments where the churches would make a, a meal and everybody would sit around. I remember whenever I was young enough to go into like Sunday school or the little daycares whenever that particular church actually had one and he'd hang out with the other kids and all that. I can assure you that there wasn't no brainwashing going on like what atheists try to claim. No one was telling me that if I don't behave, I'll go to hell. My grandmother was kind of like that, though. My grandmother, before she got cancer, she was like that. She was quick to say things like, if you don't clean up your room, God's going to be mad. And then, you know, the demons are going to come and get you. I remember because of that shit, for the longest time, I was frightened of the dark. A lot of you may not know that, but I was scared of the dark whenever I was a kid because my grandmother would tell me that if I didn't do this or I didn't do that, or I didn't behave myself, <laughs> that the demons were going to get me. But if you actually read the Bible, then you would find out that that's not how things work out. Hell is not a place where you're tormented and tortured. It's not a place where you immediately get thrown into some insane asylum that's on fire, where demons are going to rape you with fucking hot coals and all kinds of bullshit. That's not the way the Bible reads. But you don't know that whenever you're little. You don't know that whenever you're young. And to be fair, I don't think that my grandmother actually believed any of that shit. I think that she had cancer for a long time, but she was one of those type of people that didn't like to go to the doctor. Um, her fucking brain was fried, ladies and gentlemen. So I don't think that religion caused her to be fucked up like that. I don't believe that God made her fucked up like that. But she had cancer, and it had, it had basically burned her up physically. And she was in a lot of pain. She was suffering. And to be fair, also, I was a hyperactive kid. I was diagnosed with hyperactivity. So I was, you know, a fucking train wreck. I was all over the wall, bouncing off the walls and shit. So, you know, she had to do whatever the hell she could or say whatever she could or make whatever threats. And uh, God knows she actually got pretty physical sometimes in order to get me to do what she wanted. For some reason, I still feel like even through all the threats and through all that physical violence that somewhere inside of her, beneath all that cancer and riddled evil, that somehow she managed to love me and actually care about me. And I guess I feel that way because it was either live with her or live in a foster home with a bunch of strange-ass kids who want to kick the shit out of you and be raised by some parents who don't want you, that you're not biologically theirs. So, yeah, yeah, Christianity. My advice and suggestion for a lot of you out there if you're finding your faith dwindling, if you start feeling like the people around you are not a part of God or they don't have an actual personal relationship like they boast about and brag about, that you really feel like you're an association with demons as opposed to saints of God, then get the fuck away from the church. Get away from these type of people. God does not order you or command you to go to any denomination or church out there. In fact, 
when you're reading, you could see that the followers of Christianity that followed Jesus didn't go to any kind of version of churches. A couple of them visited the Jewish temples, but they usually spent most of their time out fishing or walking the land with Jesus Christ. They walked with Jesus like a tabernacle. They were not a part of the Baptist religion or part of the Pentecostal or any of that shit. They were just normal people who were trying to survive, who basically left their wives and children behind, some of them, and others brought their families along with them. And they lived off the land and followed Jesus Christ all the way to his death and resurrection. <clears throat> so if you start feeling like a church is wrong, if you feel like the people are not your family and they don't love you, then by God, get the hell away from them. Stick with God, though. Just because humans disappoint you, just because the flesh is weak, don't let people take you away from the direction that you're going towards God. Unfortunately, the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, is that Satan will use people that you love. Satan will use people that you think are your friends. And you'll be abandoned, you'll be betrayed, you'll be attacked, you'll be slandered, you'll be defamed. Everything that you can imagine possible. And the ones who are going to cause the most pain in your soul are the ones who you trust the most. Because they're the ones that know you well, they know your vulnerabilities. And the demons have to only have to get them whenever they're having a bad moment or they're in darkness for the moment. And then they'll come after you. That's the way it works. So you need to keep your eyes on the prize. You need to focus on God and not depend or rely on humans to do the right thing or even the Christian thing. And that's the reason, Frank Turek, you're probably not going to respond to my point or my post. You're probably just asking and probably won't even get around to talking to anybody that's in this comments thread. But that's the, at least for me personally, how I see things. And according to Revelations, I don't see things changing. It looks like things are pretty predetermined. Even though I believe in free will and I'm a compatibilist, it seems like a lot of Christianity is going to fall away. The world is going to become godless. It's going to become dark. It's going to become lawless. We're going to see more war, more destruction, more death, more plagues, rumors of war, all the shit predicted in the Bible. And then finally, God will come and there will be um, Armageddon, period. It is what it is. I've come to the point where... The only thing that makes me hesitate about a full reset is I'd like my kids to be able to have a good life. I'd like my wife to be live out her life and be happy and stuff and my children. I would like them to be able to experience some of the joys and good that is still left in the world. But it seems like humanity is doing everything in its power to take anything that was worthwhile away and destroy each other. So I suppose there's nothing really holding me back from just saying, fine, 
do the full reset, shut it down, You get a lot of people, I'll finish the video up with this. Have you ever heard these religious people that are, that ask this question, if you died tomorrow, where would you go? I don't know. I don't know where I would go. I just know that, um, with my limited, um, opportunities and my limited existence with the tools that God gave me, I've tried to do what I can um, have I done the greatest? Have I been saintly? No. I've made some mistakes. I've had some problems. I've had some issues. Um, I personally do not feel like I deserve to go to heaven. I don't deserve God's grace. Um, other people, they believe that it was given freely and that there's no consequences and that as long as they claim certain things, they're guaranteed. I don't, I don't see that. If the way is narrow and people who can just simply claim the name aren't part of his flock, then I see no reason why Jesus would have said things like, get away from me, I never knew you. All I can do is at the end of the day is have faith and hope. I hope that God knows who I am. I hope that um, he finds value in my soul and wants to keep me around. I want to be with God. My loved ones want to be with God. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to be presumptuous or arrogant enough to say that my check has already been signed. Because when you get right down to it, I've had bad thoughts. I've had some bad things in my heart. Um, I've wanted to do some bad things to bad people. <laughs> um, that is not very Christ-like. I know for a fact that I'm not Christ-like. I strive to be. I want to be, but I'm not. And I don't think that if you gave me five lifetimes, I would be, ever be able to illuminate the perfection of someone like Jesus Christ. So if you were to ask me, where am I going tomorrow? I would tell you that I should be in hell, but hopefully I'll go to heaven. God bless.